Hello, and thank you for joining us for this installment of the Extant Podcast. My name is Mike. And I'm Dave, and this is show number 18, where we'll be talking about season two, episode eight of the CBS summer series Extant. This episode was titled Arms and the Humanic, and it aired on August 12th, 2015. And Arms and the Humanic was written by Gavin Johansson, who also wrote episode eight in season one, Incursion. And it was directed by Ola Tunde Osusanmi, who I always enjoy hearing Emily pronounce on the Falling Skies podcast, because he directed many episodes in this past season of Falling Skies. And also TNT's The Last Ship, was on, which is on that same network. So he's a familiar director to us here at Golden Spiral Media. <laughs> Yeah, and there's also another, I guess it's a sci-fi movie or series, I don't know, I, I saw it when I was looking into his IMDb page, but uh, yeah, he's got quite the genre background. Yeah, but what's interesting about this episode, and you apparently did the same <laughs> research that I did, is the title, Arms and the Humanic. Where have I heard that before? And of course, that's from Arms and the Man by George Bernard Shaw, and so do you think that has any tie into? Or are they just using a play on words? Well, you know, I, I wondered about that. I think it's probably deeper. At least I'd like to think it's deeper, you know, and, and not just a play on words. Because if I read the play, it's so long ago, I don't remember it. But, so I'm just going to say I have not read it. But I did research it like you did. And apparently one of the thematic ideas is about the futility of war. But it also deals with the hypocrisies of human nature, which is obviously what's going on with Lucy's attitude and what she's then trying to pass on to Ethan. Right. And I think that really does tie in nicely to the themes that are really coming to the forefront now, even more so than the double episode last week, where now you've got a show where it's, it's called Extant, and it seems to be all about the struggle to remain extant, whether you're a humanic, whether you're a human, whether you're a hybrid. Really, this show has really started to come into its own title, whether it's the episode or the show itself. Well, yeah, and I started to think about it, Mike. How are we going to wrap up this series in five episodes? You mean this season or if they don't have another season? I exactly. If they don't have. I mean, we haven't heard any talk. And I get it's still early, but you haven't heard Mickey Fisher. And, and again, maybe he doesn't want to sound presumptuous that, you know, oh, I'd love to have a season three uh, maybe he doesn't want to rankle anybody at CBS, but I'm just going under the assumption that this is it. Well, especially since we've been speculating on Halle Berry's involvement, and perhaps it's a done deal where they don't have to worry about a renewal because they already know she's not available or something like that. Okay, well, here's a question for you, Mike. Yeah. All right, the film that she won the Academy Award for, and X-Men, tell me something <laughs> else she's been in. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's that would be a hard one to do on the spot anyway. <laughs> oh, but you know what? I, I bring that up because, look, we've all got this opinion of Halle Berry that she's this great actress. So I'm, I'm looking at her IMDb page and I'm thinking she really hasn't been in very much and she really hasn't been in very much that's very good. Are you bringing that up from the standpoint of what would she be involved in if not extant? Yeah. <laughs> OK, that's a good point. And I would have to say, based on what happened last season and and then now this season growing so well, and although the ratings are about the same as they always have been, I would think we were headed for a season three renewal based on the audience reaction, even if it's not a larger audience. Yeah, I really hope so. And I've got some, I think they're pretty decent predictions for where what season three would be all about. Okay. Well, what about those ratings anyway? Well, it dropped a tenth. 
in the 18 to 49, down to a 0.7, but it kept the three share. Four and a half million viewers. They've been doing about the same in the plus three, which is picking up about a third additional viewers. So, you know, it's hanging in there. It's not terrible. I guess it's up to CBS and whether they want to stand behind the show or not. Yeah, I can't wait to see what the end result of all this is. Obviously, you can tell Dave and I are very interested in knowing the fate of the show, and and I'm sure many of our listeners are as well. Well, let's go ahead and get into our episode discussion tonight. All right, Mike, opening scene, we see J.D. on the run in his Jeep. I'm not even sure if we start seeing things flying through the air before we hear the whirring of the helicopter blades. But regardless, he stops, gets out. And the first thing I thought was that they are delivering the virus. Yeah, like dropping it out of the helicopter. Exactly. And that's what I thought was happening at first. But that's, of course, not what it is. And then we cut to a little scene with Molly and her granddaughter. And on the one hand, first glance, it's a really sweet, touching scene. We find out that Tara can read her mind and seems to be, on second glance, trying to manipulate Molly. Well, yeah, and it's good that you put in that phrase, second glance, too, because it wasn't until the rewatch that it really becomes clear that the warning that we get later from her son is warranted. But on the first watch, it just seems like they're having a nice conversation about you know, what it's like and what's going on and what they should do and things like that. Yeah, and she tells Molly that you can learn to read minds. And, and <laughs> yeah. of course, Molly says, I, I don't want to. But then they realize that Helios is missing at about the same time that they hear the helicopters landing. And Molly's first instinct is to run. And I don't want to say I was surprised by Ares' attitude to stand and fight, but I get that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really hard to judge their reactions. We don't know them very well as characters anyway, but certainly the instincts that Ares has are not necessarily against what we would expect. Right. I mean, Molly doesn't know that they've built a humanic army, right? Uh, yeah, she doesn't make that connection until this episode. I, I enjoyed the flashback that she had where she was putting it together, in fact. Yeah. So he wants to stand and fight, figures that we have superior powers, which they do as long as they were fighting a human army but of course as they start doing their eye glow thing on the humanic soldiers it has no effect and he's pretty shocked yeah and i think it really introduces a quite a bit of fear on their point like we haven't <laughs> prepared for this yeah you know it's interesting you use that word fear because we also hear that out of lucy later in the episode as she's you know lying on the table wounded severely that she brings up being afraid although you know maybe she's just manipulating at well that we, point. we talked about the fear of death last week and i think that is an important motivator for humans and it's now become an important motivator for the hybrids and the humanics as well right well the humanics open traditional gunfire on the hybrids first and, and it certainly has an effect although i did wonder would traditional gunfire merely have slowed them down for a few hours? Are you talking about from the standpoint of like accelerated healing, that type of thing? Yes. And, you know, when Adu got up out of the morgue and walked away. Yeah. Well, we still don't even, don't even know how he got injured to begin with. But Well, th well, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, it's surprising. And we talked about how 
the sometimes writers underestimate their own aliens that they've created and the audience says they should be more powerful. Remember when we had that discussion? And I was worried a little bit at first when we first saw the hybrids running around before Ares started saying, hey, come on, we know how to manipulate these guys' minds. And and so they came into their own power. But but at the same time, even that the fact that they were able to be mowed down by gunfire does seem like too easy almost. Yeah, sure. Because why would he not think that he could just simply have the soldiers turn on each other? Right. As, as we've seen previously. So, right. yeah. But we do see that they're also firing canisters. And of course, we know what that is. Interestingly, Molly's concern centers around Tara, who's hiding terrified under a table. Or is she really terrified? Is that part of her manipulation as well? I couldn't figure that out because, of course, on the second watch, I knew to look to see what Tara was doing. But she did seem genuinely scared to me when she was under that bed. So I don't know. Yeah. Now, is it fair to say Lucy is in charge of this mission? It I mean, seems, it seems so. that way. Yeah. yeah. Now, we've talked about her predilection to focusing on Molly, to zeroing in on her. Now, is it because she's the mother of the hybrids or is it because she's Ethan's mother? I don't know because last week she was doing that same thing and it almost seemed like she was targeting her like maliciously. But this time it almost seems like she's having trouble with what she has to do because she's sympathetic towards Ethan and, and this is his mother. But at the same time, we know she's manipulating Ethan too. So I don't, I can't really get a read on that. Yeah, because you, you wonder, she's leading the mission, but how much information has she been given? I mean, would she know that Molly is point zero for the hybrids? I don't know. Yeah, how much has she been told? Right. Which leads me to think it's simply because she's Ethan's mother. Yeah. Now, Lucy shoots Molly and then lets Tara go and tells her, this is only going to hurt for a second. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, J.D., shoots Lucy in the back, and then, of course, we're thinking, dead or just offline? Well, especially since it was so shocking to see her shoot Molly to begin with, and for her to get shot, two main characters seemingly in grave danger right away <laughs> was quite a surprise. Yeah, and to be honest, we are in the Game of Thrones era where killing <laughs> yeah. off major characters and multiple major characters. And again, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we don't know whether there's a season three, so <laughs> it's not out of the realm of possibility. Definitely not. But the ground then is just littered with hybrid bodies. And like I told you, I'm wondering the gunshot wounds maybe you're just going to slow them down for a few hours, but then of course the canisters will, will finish it off. And then we see that scene where uh, Lucas is carrying Lucy's limp body. We assume back to the vehicles that brought them there. Right. And I think you're right about the virus finishing them off, but you could be forgiven for being suspicious of the writers for making us think that they're all dead lying there on the ground. And then they'll, they'll come back to life later. But yeah, the virus really throws a wrench in the works. Right. And we do find out later, as Adu says, you know, some made it, some didn't. So we don't know necessarily what the percentage is, whether it's half. But I guess the A story revolves around Molly and the aftermath of the GSC virus attack on the hybrid compound. So Tara and Aries are missing. And again, on a second watch, we certainly presume they are together. Okay. Yeah, I think so. And the one thing that I thought was interesting, I just want to give it a brief mention, 
is that we talked about Ares being the god of war, but it seemed like they were saying Eris. Did you notice that? They're I pronou- did. Pronouncing it that way? Yes. And I couldn't help but think, are they purposely doing that? Because Eris, although as, as a Greek goddess, Eris is the goddess of chaos, one of the titans. But at the same time, I think they're just mispronouncing A-R-E-S. <laughs> but I thought that was an interesting mispronunciation since it actually brings another element into his character. But yeah, I have to wonder if they are together, is Terra already in charge <laughs> at this point? Well, yeah, and one of the questions that, that I considered is, are we going to see her grow very rapidly? That would be interesting. I mean, that's certainly what we've seen from the hybrids in the past. Yeah. But JD asks that question that I always ask, you know, you got them, just kill them. And he wonders why the military didn't finish the job. And that's a good question. Until he sees Adu coughing the blood and Molly says, they have finished the job. Yeah. Well, you know, I I did think that, but I think I would even, maybe it would be overkill on my part. Well, you're right though. I mean, because it's basic precaution. It's get as much done as you can and then let the virus finish the job. Don't just assume that the virus is going to do its job. Right, especially when we see the kinds of decisions that General Shepard has made in the past. He has no problems wiping out villages, wiping out, in this case, an entire people. Yeah, it seems sloppy for the humanics to have such an advantage and yet not take care of everyone, including Molly yep. and Adu. All right, well, obviously the question we have is the same question Molly has, and that's whether or not she's going to be affected by the virus. And... She says that everybody's affected differently by the virus. Now, now, granted, we know she developed it, and we wonder how they tested it. Yeah, how does she know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, did they just test it against computer models? Yeah, probably. I, I think it's more accurate to say it'll affect people at different rates. But yeah, she seems to imply that it will affect them differently. So I don't know. Right. I mean, we see how it affects Adu with uh, you know the coughing of the blood and then the extreme rapid aging but regardless jd takes them to his house and finds his ex-wife dorothy there and of course her first question to him is what have you gotten yourself into this time (laughs) and we knew we talked about this they wouldn't have introduced her just in that isolated scene we had a little while ago and not had a purpose for the character so it's nice to see that they did have some follow-through on that well yeah and I really like the way she developed in this episode, and I think there's a lot of room for her to continue to play an integral part in the rest of this season. Well, she has to, because they wouldn't have her be a judge unless that were needed. (laughs) Right, exactly. J.D., you're many things. I know you're not a terrorist. (laughs) Yeah. And, And he tells her, you know, they're not looking for me, and she starts putting two and two together. Well, you turn them in and we get our girl back. Yeah, what's what's to think about? <laughs> right. And she pulls the gun on Molly and Adu. And, and again, we know where this is headed. <laughs> Molly has to use the uh, glowing eye trick. Seeing the dead people. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure why JD was so... I don't want to say he was really angry at her for doing that. I mean, what did he think she was going to do or, or, or should have done? Well, I think it's really coming into play. And of course, it, it was talked about when Molly and Tara were having their discussion. Humans don't want their minds invaded like that. Obviously, Molly was using it to calm the situation or to take control of the situation in a necessary way. But 
JD is still alarmed, as any human would be, at that particular technique. Right. And that is one of the fundamental issues yeah. that, that revolves around this evolution of the human race, that if this is going to be part of it, that's got serious consequences. Exactly. Now, Dorothy is understandably confused as JD explains to her about the hybrids. <laughs> and, you know, we forget, I think, as viewers that the hybrids are not common knowledge. Right. But, but she's pretty quick to accept the fact that aliens have landed. Now, is that because we're in the future and, you know, scientific advancements have been made that maybe we're not privy to? I, I think it's mostly because of what Molly did just then. Okay. She saw direct evidence very quickly, the yellow eyes especially. But as she says, again, if turning them in means getting Kelsey back, but he says, no, I've got another solution, which, uh, of course, we come to find out is turning himself in. Right, at least temporarily. Yeah, you're right, exactly. Now, <laughs> Molly's tending to ado, but he clearly looks like he's in bad shape. And, and hybrid or not, it seems unlikely that he's going to recover from this. She needs to lower his body temperature to slow the progression of the virus, but I think even he senses that's just temporary. Yeah, it's just something for her to do to make herself feel useful, but it's really not going to help. Right. And I guess you could argue it buys her some time. You know, she yeah. then goes on to talk about the fact that there's one person at the GSC that might be able to help. And of course, we assume that's Nate. And that's, of course, who it does turn out to be. I was kind of surprised that she assumed that he would be sympathetic to their cause. I think there was some indication in some conversation that I, I'm just not remembering where he seemed to be someone who was just following orders and didn't necessarily agree with what they were doing. But the gamble does pay off a little bit, at least with the equipment that he provides. Well, right. And you wonder what level of knowledge he has about how this virus is being used. Look, he, of course, he knows it's to wipe out the hybrids. But, you know, when we factor in the humanic army, I mean, it, it seems pretty hardcore. And I guess you could argue, well, it's pretty hardcore that this alien race has come to Earth seemingly to conquer earth but why do they make that assumption why does shepherd jump to that conclusion yeah basically because of the initial bloodshed the the killing of the mothers i think is what it boils down to right and the idea that what you don't understand you fear comes up several times and i guess on the other hand it's better to be safe than sorry exactly it's it's so great how you can see both sides of the issue and you have to wonder as a viewer what side you would land on. And it's hard to predict that. Yeah, that show Continuum kind of does that once in a while. <laughs> exactly. Well, anyway, JD's going to turn himself into the GSC. So this leaves his ex-wife Dorothy to tend to uh, do. And he tells her, don't do anything stupid, which is something I'm sure she told him thousands of times during their marriage. <laughs> exactly. But the, the nice thing, I don't know if you noticed, she immediately goes to her phone and then puts it away. Yeah, she's about to call the police, and he asks for water, which, but, but that's not really even interrupting her thoughts. She actually gives up on the phone before he says that. So yeah, she's having a little bit of trouble deciding what she should do, and ends up giving them the benefit of the doubt, and I think that's her turning point right there. Well, yeah, and in fact, as you mentioned, that, that little exchange where he tells her that he didn't mean to frighten her, understands her reaction... And then he reads her mind, but I think for a completely different reason. I, you yeah. know, I don't think he's trying to manipulate her. I think he's just trying to show her 
who we really are. We're not who you think we are. Yeah, and and says, you know, you've only used that gun one other time when JD took you to the shooting range and things like that. So, yeah, it's more of a tender reading of the mind. (laughs) Yeah, and, and he points out about what JD has done for them. Has any character grown as much as Hadou in such a short period of time? And coupled with, I think, this growth that Dorothy's been forced to undergo in in this extremely short window. Yeah, and I think he knew exactly what she was about to do, because when he says, whatever you do, I'll understand, I think he's referring to calling the police or not calling the police. Yeah. And so she looks down at her phone and realizes that she's not going to do it, turns it off. Yeah. All right. So so Molly approaches Nate about helping. And, you know, like we talked about a few minutes ago, asks him to steal that GSC equipment that we find out is basically going to do a plasma transfusion, you know, out with the bad blood in with the good blood. Right. And it does seem like a bit of a desperate measure to use this equipment. And it kind of bothered me that Nate risked his career to get something that really wasn't all that useful until Molly ended up using it. And then I'm starting to wonder, maybe it they got it in time to save her. I'm not sure, but but I'm, I'm glad uh, they were able to get it if that's the case. Otherwise, why bother getting that from Nate at all? And why bother involving Nate? Well, it allows her to tell him what his cover story is going to be. What's that? The big bad alien made you do it. Yeah. Is that our cover story? No, that's yours. I yeah. love that line. Yeah. All right. So Molly returns to JD's house to find that Adu has aged. And I don't know, he looked about 60 or 70 to me. Yeah, definitely. And you wonder now, clearly it's a byproduct of the virus. Are we going to see that in the others? Are we going to see, you know, Molly maybe age, but not die? Well, that's the question because Molly did say it affected people differently. So is that just something that he experienced? I'm going to say no, that, that everyone will experience that, that that is affected by the virus. Because yeah, I'm kind of liking Halle Berry at 40, so I don't know if I want to... <laughs> I think they're going to catch it in time. The The transfusion machine will th- would then have a purpose. <laughs> All right. So we see the way the machine's operating and what it's supposed to do. Kelsey calls her mom and tells her she's home. And number one, I was very surprised that Shepard actually kept up his end of the deal And then I started thinking like, okay, well, maybe he did that because he's tracking her cell phone. Okay. Yeah. He knows he can just get to her again anyway. And he probably hopes exactly what ends up probably being closer to the truth, which is that having JD will eventually lead him to Molly as well. All right. Now, now what do you make of JD's response to Shepard when Shepard asks him about her location and, you know, he says, well, you killed her. Yeah. He actually seems to be saying it directly at first, but then says you might as well have or something to that effect about what did you think would happen if you threw that virus out there? Uh, You've signed her death warrant and and almost implies that it's already a done deal. Yeah. And then it's they kind of revert to two kids in a sandbox, you know, (laughs) start (laughs) throwing each other's pass out there. And, you know, we've often wondered what exactly did JD do to get his dishonorable discharge? So now we find out that he went AWOL rather than carry out an order. And having gotten to know the man, we can only assume it was an order with highly questionable moral and ethical implications. And what a surprise that it turns out to be a drone strike because when he first started talking, I thought they were talking about the drone strike that we saw in the series. And it wasn't until they got farther into the conversation that I realized, Oh, 
So this is not the first time that Shepard has called a drone strike and killed civilians. Right, and killed a lot of civilians. And as he says, to get one terrorist. And J.D. seems to imply that it wasn't even that important, a terrorist. Right, and I think this must lie at the root of it. I guess we have to sort of draw our own conclusions and make our own picture of the scenario that might have happened afterwards. Or maybe we'll get more details about it, but clearly... J.D. has had specific military experience with Shepard before this right. and already doesn't think highly of him. Now, ordinarily, I would think this would cause me to go, really? <laughs> when he tells J.D. that the hybrids invaded us, which is kind of true and represent a clear and present danger to mankind. That'd be a good title for a novel. I should write that down. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit trite in the, its delivery. But... It worked because then it set up J.D.'s response. You know what? So do you. You represent a clear and present danger to mankind. But then I'm starting to think, well, what does he mean by that? Well, yeah. And again, it's like you and I, Dave, are seeing both sides and perhaps the audience at large is as well, that it's not as though Shepard doesn't have a point. <laughs> he does have a point. He's trying to preserve humanity. Right. But by saying that he's a danger to mankind, does he feel as if Shepard's getting in the way of, I don't want to say natural evolution because yeah. I don't know that it's natural evolution, but it is evolution. Well, he's he's actually, I think, qualifying the hybrids as humanity. You're right. a danger to that type of humanity as well. Right, exactly. Shepard, of course, thinks that annihilation's the only answer given how powerful they are. So, uh, you know, he's not entirely wrong. Exactly. I know. It's hard. It's difficult because we want to vilify Shepard. And we do to a certain extent. But at the same time, his actions are logical. Yep. Well, Judge Richter says goodbye to Molly. <laughs> judge Richter. So she can, well, I think you're right. I, they wouldn't have made her a judge. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it wasn't going to become important. But it does seem that her stance is softening. Obviously, any mother is going to put her daughter first. But now that she's got her daughter back, I, I think the gloves are going to come off. I think she's starting to see what's happening. And I think in the next five episodes, you know, she'll see even more. Right. And she's going to deliver some type of verdict <laughs> eventually. Yeah. Or or bring things out in the open, uh, what the government's actually doing. Yeah, that could be. Now, again, another really tender scene when Adu tells Molly, I mean, he doesn't say, I know I'm about to die, but. I want to see the stars. <laughs> exactly. So admits that she created the virus, but then he tells her, you know, you gave me life. You gave us all life. You gave us a chance. And then that line, it's not over, Molly. They're still out there, which we assume he means the surviving hybrids. Right. And I do like that Molly added the statement. Well, very briefly, it <laughs> gave them life all too short, unfortunately, but he doesn't underestimate what she's done for them even if a lot of them only got to stick around for a little while and hopefully some of them will continue the fight to survive right now before he dies though he does tell her to not trust Ares, which we assume she already knew but then we're a little bit surprised when he mentions not trusting tara as well and then like you said earlier on the rewatch, a lot of the early events make more sense. Well, I don't know if he even mentioned Ares. Maybe he does want her to trust Ares. <laughs> I think she was the one that said, you mean Ares? <laughs> but definitely not trust Tara. It could be both of them, but I'm, I'm starting to wonder if maybe we've been 
thrown a little bit of a red herring with Aries' initial reactions to things. He might end up being a trusted person. Yeah, it could be, yeah. Now, Adu dies before explaining what he means by any of that. Dorothy, who's still there, comes over, hugs Molly, but then we see in that same scene, Molly starts coughing, and I don't know that we actually see the blood, but we, you know, she's got her hands up to her mouth, mm-hmm. so we, we pretty much know it's there. Yeah. Just the same way that it started with Adu. Yep. And then at the end there, Molly tries to filter her own blood under the care of JD's ex-wife, who says she's not going to leave her alone. And it's like, wow. You know, again, what a transformation. Exactly. And I just hope it's in time because we can't lose Adu and Lucy <laughs> and Molly all at the same time. Right. Now, the really, really captivating thing about this show is what's unfolding between three separate races, right? I mean, the human race, the hybrid race, and the humanics. Yeah, you could almost put the word race at the end of that, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do. Now, although, the other thing I started thinking about is, look, it was nothing to crank out a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. But how quickly can production be ramped up now? You know, I mean, so, so that'll be one of the things we'll look at, but the B story in this episode revolves around the impact of the virus attack on the humanic program, because it certainly had an impact in a different way, uh, actually several different ways. So the first thing we see are the damaged humanics being brought in for repair. And then Lucy, who's certainly lucid enough (laughs) to tell Ethan that, Molly Woods did this to me. And she didn't. It's like Lucy shot Molly in the shoulder and then JD shot her in the back. So right away we're like, "Uh uh-oh, Lucy is definitely on a dangerous track with Ethan here. And we were speculating on this last week. What path will Ethan take? Will he get in between Molly and Lucy somehow? And a lot of the predictions that we heard last week are starting to come true in this episode. Yeah, although I was really surprised in the way that they transpired, because even here you can see Julie, look, Julie has had second thoughts about Anna and her program direction right from the start. So, so that's not a surprise, but you know, some of the things that we see later between her and Charlie and and things that happen, I was surprised pleasantly. Let me just say, yeah, I think we talked about last week, how, what if Julie and Charlie end up being the element of change rather than Ethan. And we see that that's a possibility here. Yeah. So Ethan tells Julie that Lucy doesn't want a human working on her since they can't be trusted. And, you know, Julie hasn't heard a lot of this rhetoric out of Ethan right. and Lucy the way Charlie has. Exactly. So she's very taken aback at him phrasing it that way. Right. And he, she tries to explain it and rightly so that Lucy might not have her facts straight since there's been damage throughout her cognitive processors. But then he brings up that logic. Well, how come humans can hurt humanics, but humanics can't hurt humans? Right. It's like, because no one programmed humans. That's the problem. (laughs) Right. But her response was, you know, spot on that, well, nobody should be hurting anybody. We don't want that to happen. Right. Yeah, she does. And throughout the series, she does give some very well-phrased answers to Ethan. It's not like she has trouble explaining things to him. It's just that he's been manipulated by other people that cloud his judgment. 
Right. And then, you know, he asks her, well, would you hurt a humanic? Would you hurt Lucy? And she doesn't say no. Yeah. She says, well, if I have to, I will. And then, well, if you did, I don't know what I'd do. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, the bad seed in humanic form. Well, remember in season one at the very beginning, Ethan was that creepy little omen kid. <laughs> you know, Damien. True. So, True. yeah, it's a return to that nice creepy factor. I like it. Right. And, and I think this is the first time that Julie really realizes that something is amiss with both Ethan and Lucy. Right. All right. So Lucy tells Charlie, you know, she's lying there damaged on the table. that She's afraid of dying. More manipulation, I assume. Yeah. She wants to actually now start getting the situation. And maybe perhaps this is what it's always been about, or at least in the past week or so for her that, okay, now I'm going to play my cards with all the different blackmail that I could play to get this expiration date removed because I want to live forever. Yeah. And I want to find a way to live no matter what. And and he tries to explain to her that removing it will kill you, but she seems to think that he can find a way. Right. It's interesting that he says that John put this here and it's kind of hardwired in. So if you take it out, it kills you. So there's physically no way for him to do it, he says. Right. And she tells him that if you don't do it, I'm going to tell Julie everything and at first reaction is about the near sexual encounter but then i forgot about the limiters right and she actually shows him the video this is where we were wrong last week we were talking about how the little spider robot was ethan perhaps gaining some suspicion of lucy but it's actually not true at all she was using spider to get a recording of their sexual encounter so she could throw it back to him on the monitors right there in the in the yeah. lab guess her cmr wasn't operational <laughs> Well, this is what's so great, too. I mean, the fact that Charlie immediately, practically, decides, okay, I got to come clean with Julie before Lucy has a chance to use this against me. And bravo for him, because sometimes characters just don't do that in shows like this. Well, characters don't do it in real life, Tom Brady. Yeah, it's just it's just great. I love it. <laughs> so he admits to her that in addition to that happening, he never installed her limiters and then he throws out that idea about the Pix cube of Julie and John. And then we find out that she never had one. And he's like, oh, she did that too. Yeah, that is great because we were totally fooled as well. I mean, I mean, look, certainly they had a relationship, right? That wasn't. But it was just to get Charlie to feel bad so he would get drunk and be able to be manipulated into a sexual encounter. I mean, that was pretty brilliant on Lucy's part. Yeah, yeah. So they're making the connections that Lucy's going off the rails, needs to be shut down for good, but obviously Anna is not going to like that suggestion. And, of course, their discussion is something that Ethan is going to be able to overhear as well. So <laughs> very dangerous territory. Right. And, and, you know, when it's mentioned that more money's gone into Lucy than most fighter <laughs> yeah. jets, you know, and, and again, we've seen enough of Anna to know this is going to be a problem as they're discussing their plan. Ethan's robot comes into the room and we see him watching on a monitor, tell spider to send the footage to Lucy to warn her. Yeah. Great, great stuff. And, and you brought up the fact that Anna would be upset by her being harmed. And it brings up the question that we talked about last week, where I disagreed with you about whether or not the limiters were installed on the rest of the humanics. Right. Or I guess that was a conversation we had offline between the two yeah. podcasts, but 
it does seem like that, doesn't it? So Lucy is somehow special in that way. Right, because I guess you could argue that her program, so to speak, was simply copied onto the other humanics, and that if her program doesn't contain the limiters, then they wouldn't have limiters. I guess I would argue that as they're installing software, I have to believe there's somebody watching a monitor to make sure everything's loading properly. Exactly. I mean, we do that on $500 computers. Why wouldn't you do it on a multi-million dollar artificial intelligence? And also, I feel like they were putting the Lucy template on and then putting the limiters on as a separate add-on, exactly. <laughs> like a plug-in. <laughs> right. That's what I would think. Uh, but to take the stance that, okay, let's assume for, for a moment that they don't have limiters on, I got to believe it wouldn't be that difficult to install them wirelessly. Okay. <laughs> but I think then where we'd go then would be Anna would say, you know what? I like them without limiters. <laughs> let's leave those off. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, since we didn't see Anna in this episode, what, what her reaction is going to be. Yeah. All right, so Julie sends everybody home so they can shut down Lucy. Ethan comes in and tells him, you're not going to hurt my sister. And then he utters that, you know, she was right. Humans can't be trusted. Which You were my BHF. What's that? <laughs> yeah. But then they try to convince him that she's beyond repair and sometimes you just need to reboot. And, and, you know, using that word reboot, I guess, I don't know if that's what turned Ethan around a little bit in that it certainly implies we're not going to shut her down. We're just going to reboot her. Although that's not what they actually mean. Well, I think mostly it's the discussion he has separately from this initial encounter with Charlie later on sitting on the stairwell. And I think Charlie really lays it out for him and, and describes what happened. Yeah. Is that charlie that tells him that lucy's not who you think she is yeah, that may have come in the earlier discussion but yeah i think it does start to get through to ethan here which allows charlie to take him off and have a private discussion about it as well so a little bit of each probably right and there is a lot of confession that comes out of charlie which is nice and i think which is needed he even admits to ethan Lucy's the way she is because of something that I did or rather didn't do. And, you know, he goes on to explain about the limiters. And obviously that's something that Ethan understands. I mean, say what you will about John Woods, but I think he was very open with Ethan about decisions he made about Ethan and the ramifications that they would have. And Charlie does a good job of describing how they took a lot of shortcuts, whereas Ethan was able to experience right and wrong through life experience. Lucy just didn't get a good picture of right and wrong in her quick upbringing. No, no, exactly. Not at all. So, all right. So we get to the closing scene. Julie's preparing to do whatever she's going to do to Lucy. And then we see in the background, Lucy sits up. Very scary. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, you know, Charlie's doing his uh, explanation of the limiters to Ethan about how they conform to human qualities like morals and ethics and all of that. And like you said about the experience that, that he had, but she didn't. I think the big part that comes out of that discussion that we can take home with us is there are good people, there are bad people, and there are good humanics and bad humanics. And I think that's probably the argument that clinches it for Ethan. Right. And Lucy's one of the bad ones. And the fact that he brings 
humans and humanics together, that they have these similarities, obviously makes us think that there are a lot of similarities between both. Yeah. All right. So anyway, Lucy grabs Julie by the throat. I'm not going to let you kill me. And then Charlie tries to intervene and she's just like elbow. That was a great scene. I actually (laughs) rewound it and watched it a couple times. Yeah, we forgot that Anna cranked up the strength factor. So that's not going to work for Charlie. And that's what makes it so surprising what happens. Yeah, we're wondering what's going to bring this scene to a close because clearly Charlie is not going to be able to handle her. And we know darn well, Julie's not going to be able to. And the next thing you know, Ethan runs in and I don't know what he pulls <laughs> from Lucy, but I mean, what a scene, man, with with the blue and the... Ugh, well, that's why I, I, I used that as our thumbnail for this podcast because <laughs> I couldn't resist using that picture of Ethan with the blue on his face. But yeah, on the one hand, it makes you think, well, why didn't they just yank that to begin with? Julian, but perhaps it makes you think maybe Ethan just knew exactly what would what it would take and had the wherewithal and the ability to approach Lucy Lucy undetected in order to get it done. Yeah, and and that uh, you know metaphor of pulling the plug is exactly what he does, and and perhaps because it was so messy. Yeah, it's very difficult to hide this. Clearly, he saves Julie's life, so he made that decision. And, you know, is now Ethan going to go back on the path that we saw him at the, you know, at the beginning of the show? Well, I don't know, because he does say, you know, what have I done? And Julie says, you saved my life. That's what you did. And I hope that gets through to him as well. And then finally, we see a visibly ill Molly led into General Shepard. We assume she turned herself in. We assume she felt as if that was the only option she had if she was going to live. If she was going to live and get JD out of there, because that's obviously what he really wants is her, not JD. And she figures if she's dying, she might as well, you know, get JD off the hook while she's at it. And then his reaction after she asks him to help her. Oh, God, what have I done to you? On the one hand, is she manipulating? No, it's way past that. I I think she realizes this is her only option if she's going to live. And it's a nice echo of what Ethan just said you know, what have I done? So definitely some guilt being felt and the consequences of what one race can do to another race, whether it's hybrid human or humanic. Yep. All right. Well, you know, we're left with a lot of questions and obviously, as we said, first and foremost, do the other humanics have the limiter installed or not? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure we'll find out pretty quickly. If they don't, can they be modified? And if they can be modified, will Anna allow them to be modified? Because let's let's assume she doesn't want them modified. Mm-hmm. Will Charlie and Julie do it anyway? Yeah. Will it be a battle to get that done? Or will yeah. the soldiers simply become benign once they have delimiters put on? <laughs> yeah. All right. We mentioned we're in the age of Game of Thrones, major characters dying. I think we know Molly Woods is not going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is she immune to the virus? Does she have something in her system that just will allow her to fight it off, albeit a little more slowly, that she'll you know have a rough patch, but she'll pull through? I assume that's what's going to happen. Or did the blood transfusion help in some way? Although I, I get the sense from that closing scene that they've given up on that, that that was just a temporary measure and she's reconciled to her fate yeah although she didn't give it very much time because i wonder if 
it could be as simple as that. And then if it is as simple as that, is it going to be now a matter of her trying to get these machines? No, because it's too late for, I mean, she, she got it right when she was started showing symptoms. So I feel like it'll just be like, I do all over again for most of them. Yeah, true, true. All right. So do we trust Aries? You are holding out some hope that maybe he'll turn out to be a good guy, that his character is, as you said, a red herring. Well, it's a very minor hope. I think it's going to end up being Tara and Aries against (laughs) Molly, in a sense. But I do think that there might be something to Tara being the only danger rather than just one of them. Yeah, what would be pretty cool? I mean, we certainly acknowledge that Molly Woods is the mother of this hybrid race. What if we see Tara you know, grow exponentially the way Adu did and that she then becomes the mother of the survivors, so to speak, that that she becomes the mother of what's left of the group. Or they could just stick with the creepy kid factor. Who knows? Yeah, they could do that. (laughs) They could do that. All right. I assume Molly is going to try to convince General Shepard that his approach is unwarranted. Yeah, I guess we'll see if her persuasion is enough or whether some other measures have to be taken. All right. So, What's going to happen to J.D.? We assume, as we've alluded, that his judge wife is going to intervene somehow on his behalf and get him released. I mean, is he really a danger other than spouting off to the media? I think it's mostly the leverage that they can use against Molly and the fact that he's aiding Molly. So if they have Molly, what do they need him for? All right. You know, as we said, how are Julie and Charlie going to react to the way the humanics are being employed? I'm assuming it's going to have something to do with the limiters. And, and uh, again, I think sooner rather than later. We didn't really mention, you know, the GSC has Helios. Yeah, they stuck him in a in the back of a truck, didn't they? Yeah. So, I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to experiment on him, cut him open? Are they, we don't know, but that's got to be something we see, if not next week, though, at least the week after. Well, it, it could end up being nothing. I mean, maybe they just stuck him in a truck to get rid of his body because it was still in stealth mode at that point, the attack. Okay. So it might end up being nothing. All right. So let's assume that Tara is... I don't want to say bad, but let's say for the sake of argument that Tara is going to be the leader of the hybrids against the human race. Well, the human race, they know, wants to eliminate them. So is she going to lead them in the pushback? Yeah, she not she's not going to carry forward Adu's mission, in other words. Right. In other words, if Adu was around, he would still be fighting for peaceful coexistence. Right. But she might not be that. Exactly. He would be fighting, you know, get me a meeting with General Shepard. We need to talk this out. And then lastly, kind of looking down the road a little bit, I guess what I really I don't want to say I hope this happens, but it would be kind of cool that will the humanics and the hybrids unite against the human race? What? (laughs) Well, I mean, the human race wants to eliminate the hybrids. Yeah. I think once it gets out that the humanics have been employed in this in this way, you you wonder what the public reaction is going to be, and you wonder if it's going to be something like no 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 that needs to be shut down. They have too much power. Hmm, very interesting. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. It, it could turn any way two of the three factions allying against the third, and, and that's the beauty of it when you have these three factions. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll have to wait and see. And of course, with just a few episodes left, you know, it could 
start to reach a real, real peak. So I can't wait to see what they do with it. Yeah, only five left. Do we have any double episodes coming? Not that I'm aware of. Nothing published about that? No. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and hear from our listeners in our listener feedback segment. And we'll start with Leo, of course, who always likes to start off our segment here. And here's where Leo and I are going to start to disagree here, Dave, I think. (laughs) Okay. And and Mike, even before you go on with Leo's response, and we've mentioned this before, that we don't really read the responses before we podcast, right? Because we don't want to be influenced by what you guys think. And that's definitely true. I did happen to read Leo's and that's why I know I already I'm going to be oh, like, okay. I'm going to be taking issue a little bit. <laughs> I, do, I do love Leo's delivery though, because he does have that very funny way of delivering his criticisms. But he says, I've been very critical of the choices the government makes in Extant. I could not figure out if they were incompetent or evil. However, just as Molly discovered the truth last week, I had an epiphany this week. And oh, and by the way, it, it bears mentioning, did you notice the, uh, Opening credits, just like Leo mentioned last week, changed again. No, I didn't. The opening sequence, the the voiceover. Yeah. But that was one of the things that Molly had in last week's voiceover was talking about the truth. So Leo's epiphany is the government is a Halle Berry fan. (laughs) They want her character Molly Woods to be able to have adventures. How else can we explain why the humanic army shoots down and poisons a large group of aliens and then doesn't search the alien hideout? The army didn't check for survivors or search the compound for clues to the identity of the aliens. They just shot, sprayed, and left. They didn't search because Molly was with them and had to escape. She had to have the tender moment with Adu when he bit the dust. Molly has been free to move about pretty freely this season because the government has not been watching her too closely. How else can you explain how she had multiple alien contacts, escaped Crazy Acres, walked into top secret labs with blood, walked out of said lab with said blood, met with top secret virus workers, and got high-tech equipment, all while being public enemy number one? So this is the thing. I totally agree with Leo about, and we we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, how they didn't search, they didn't look, they didn't follow through. The the humanics just kind of let the virus do the work for them. Right. And JD even notices this mission flaw. Right. So I do agree with Leo on this part, but the idea that Molly is able to do a whole lot, I think we brought this up either in last podcast or the one before where they've done a pretty good job of using this government official that has a personal connection with Molly. This year it's Toby. Last year it was director Sparks. And I think that's specifically why they do that to make it more credible that Molly's able to do whatever she wants. Right. Right. So he just says, while Halle Berry was a 007 type spy, Molly is an astronaut. P.S. What's the over under for how many times Molly says my son in the next episode? Four. (laughs) She says it a lot. There should be a drinking game for that. (laughs) Thanks, Leo. It's great stuff. All right. Well, we also heard from D. Lovely, who I believe first time responder. Yeah, I can't. I'm so pleased when we get new people. Yeah. And says, This week's episode saw the demise of two strong characters, Adu and Lucy. It was a little weird to see him aging so quickly against his mother, the ageless Halle Berry. But (laughs) what happened to the grandchild? She just disappeared. Lucy started out as a very strong character that I actually rooted for, especially her wardrobe. But it was time for her to go and seeing Ethan, her brother and ally do it was a little poetic justice. This season is more fast paced than the last one and the action is more intense can't wait until next week and yeah i mean just really succinct all the things that i feel are strengths of season two 
Yeah, exactly. And and in case you're wondering about Tara's whereabouts, nobody knows, I think, where Tara is. So it's not just you, D. Lovely. And finally, we heard from Taltos, who says, Molly said the virus will affect the hybrids differently. But how does she know that? <laughs> exactly. We, I think we talked about that. She downloaded information on the virus from the GSC server, but it's not like Toby's people had a bunch of hybrids to test it on before deployment. As Charlie never installed the limiters on Lucy and all the other Humanic soldiers were given a copy of her programming, does that mean none of the other Humanics have limiters? Oh, this is so great. See, I didn't read this one ahead of time, but it looks like Taltos is exactly on the same track we were. She says, I hope Anna and Toby are preparing for a Humanic uprising. We learned that Lucy set Charlie up by planting the Pix cube with incriminating photos of Julie and John's relationship. Julie said she didn't have a Pix cube, so where did Lucy get those photos? That's a good question. Photoshop. <laughs> Charlie taking Ethan to the stairwell while leaving Julie alone with Lucy was cringeworthy, even if they didn't know Ethan had warned Lucy. That's a good point, yeah, actually. They didn't know that Lucy already knew that Ethan had sent them the video, I guess, of their conversation. But, right, that they were planning to shut her down. But that still was very dangerous on their part. But it allowed Charlie, I guess, to have that conversation that was very important. Having built her, says Taltos, they must have known Lucy could bring herself out of standby mode and that she wouldn't be in favor of being altered or shut down. Was there really no way to restrain Lucy or prevent her from reactivating to ensure everyone's safety? <laughs> yeah, you, th you think they would have manacled her to the bed at the very least, right? <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think sometimes we expect too much out of, in this case, scientists who are really out of their depth, right? Mm -hmm. They were not developing soldiers for most of the Humanics program. So, you know, I guess on the one hand, you could argue that, well, that seems like the logical thing to do, but Charlie and, and Julie are a little, they're in new territories. Yeah, exactly. They're just a couple of science techs. So they, uh, they could have maybe put a boot on her or something like that, but yeah, they didn't do so. But very good points. And I, I like the nitpickiness of some of these things because, you know, we, we like to have fun with that kind of stuff as well. But thank you very much to those of you who contributed. I hope we didn't miss anyone due to technical difficulties this week, because I know we didn't hear from Barb or some of the other people who give us audio. So I'm hoping that that's actually just because they didn't give us any and not because the feedback system's not working. But we enjoyed the ones we got here, and I hope you guys did too. But that's going to be it for this edition of the Extant Podcast. Keep up with show news and fan interaction on Twitter by following us at ExtantGSM. Or you can join our Facebook group. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash Extant Podcast. Mike and I will be back next week with our discussion of Extant Episode 9 of Season 2 entitled The Other Side. But in the meantime, head on over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback to share your thoughts. You can write a message, record a comment using your computer's microphone, or just call 304-837-2278. And if you've enjoyed this episode of the Extant Podcast, please consider rating and reviewing us in iTunes, as Steve Brook just did a couple weeks ago. Thank you for that five-star review. And we'll talk to you next weekend. <laughs>